Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dig Deep the Mining podcast and today I'm joined by Mike Jones, who's the MD of Impact Minerals, who are an exploration company listed on the ASX and they have four extensive tenement holdings within Australia um, in the states of New South Wales, Queensland and WA, um, featuring significant potential for high-grade mineral deposits of gold, silver, lead, zinc, copper and nickel. Um, I'll let Mike explain a little bit more about um, impact minerals. Um, but f- So first of all, I just want to welcome Mike Jones. Hi, Mike. Yep, thanks, Rob. It's uh, nice to be here. That's my first official podcast. So, yeah, oh, that's that's uh, good. That, yeah. And I appreciate appreciate uh, taking the time to do this. Obviously, I, I'm in Melbourne at the moment, so I'm uh, attending the IMAC conference uh, tomorrow, and you're over in Perth. That's correct. Yeah, very much so. Um, so before we go into um, talking about impact min- uh, minerals, I just want to I just want uh, for you to explain a little bit about your background, about yourself, so the audience knows a little bit about you if they don't already know you. Um, so when you first graduated, um, and how you how your careers developed. So appreciate if you can just give us an overview of uh, your background. Yeah, no, great, Rob. Thanks. Well, uh, like you, I'm actually English uh, originally, so uh, I've been here uh, 31 years. Uh, Some people can detect an accent, others can't, but uh, so uh, I did uh, geology, mining geology as an undergraduate at Imperial College and then stayed on to do a PhD in gold mineralization and that was actually sponsored by uh, Anglo-American and I worked on uh, a greenstone belt, as they're called, in the northern part of uh, South Africa. And bizarrely enough, uh, that work has, has actually come to the fore again uh, on one of our projects, which I'll talk about. So we, um, as I was finishing uh, that work, which, which actually came about by chance, somebody pulled out and, um, and I was asked to sort of fill in basically at the last minute and I wasn't, uh, didn't really have much to do at the time, wondering what my career was going to be and so sort of, oh, shall I do a PhD, shall I not? Anyway, I decided to do it and it was a great thing. I'm, I'm uh, obviously uh, really thrilled that I decided to do that. And then back in those days, of course, uh, no uh, email or, or internet. I just happened to be walking past the notice board one day, uh, the Royal School of Mines there, and uh, noticed a typewritten note on the wall in interviews for jobs in Australia. So, uh, oh, that sounds like sounds like fun. I, I wish I wish some graduates who are listening to this uh, wouldn't mind some of those uh, posts on their notice boards that, that they want passed. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm often, uh, you know, contacted by uh, students in the UK, and and we have actually sponsored a couple of people to come out, a bit of a payback. Yeah. And um, so we, anyway, so as it turned out, it was Western Mining Corporation, WMC Resources, as they became to be known, and uh, obviously well known, you know, uh, famous mid-tier, you know, mid-tier miner. And, um, uh, yeah, they offered me a job, and uh, it was in their, their gold and nickel uh, exploration team uh, out in Australia, including uh, in a residency. So uh, I, was, I was literally cheap immigrant labour, 
And uh, this was in 1988, so post-crash of yep. 87. But, of course, um, you know, towards the end of, a, of, a, of quite a significant gold boom in Australia. And like many majors um, at the time and since during the boom, couldn't get people to work for them. So they went overseas looking for people. And yep. uh, I was... How, like, how, how, how did you feel at that time about taking that big leap forward and moving to Australia. I mean, I, I, like you said, you have some graduates that um, that you've uh, taken on. I get a lot of graduates um, contacting me and asking for my advice as to what they should do. And obviously a lot of these graduates are based in the UK. So obviously the, the mining market is limited in the UK and they ask me what, what they should do. And one of the suggestions is to go out to Australia, you can get a year's working visa, et cetera. Yeah. Um, some, so well, probably most think that's a good idea. Some not necessarily. So, what would you say from your perspective when you were faced with that, uh, faced with that decision to go out to Australia or not? What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, well, at the time, um, having done the, the PhD, I was really yeah, very much infused with geology and exploration, and uh, it was really uh, felt like it was a calling. And so, oh, this is a, you know, what a great opportunity this is. But I came out right from the start with just a, a two-year time frame. I was going to say, I'll give them two, self, two years and then five years, you know, and let's see how we go. Well, I knew within about three weeks, um, having completed my first drill program in Sandstone in the middle of nowhere here, that I was going to be there at least two years. And, um, and then, uh, amazingly enough, met my wife in the first town I worked in, and uh, so, so that was it. The rest is history. The, the, rest, the rest is history. But, yeah, look, it was a big step to take. Um, yeah. But... Uh, you know, Perth, Perth, where I was living, uh, you know, such a great place to live, and uh, you know, the environment here is so oriented towards the resources sector. You know, and exploration. It's just, you know, it's vibrant uh, you know, most of the time, and uh, you know, it's a it's a great place to uh, to come and work in the industry. And uh, well, that, that applies across Australia, but but more so, you know, Western Australia, where um, we have a small population but a huge mining industry. So, uh, yeah, I can thoroughly recommend it. And, uh, you know, as I say, if you can get your working visas, then uh, you should be coming out here to uh, give it a go. Yeah. So you've heard, heard it from, uh, from Mike there. So any graduates listening, um, yeah, if you're, if you're in that position where, you're, where you've just recently graduated and you're looking for your first start, there's no better place than to come out to Australia where there's, I'm sure there's abundance of opportunities um, to get out on site and um, and learn your trade. So um, yeah, just uh, make those uh, forward steps. Okay. So how did things then develop, or how did your career develop after those first few years? So I worked with uh, Western Mining, and for I was there six years, and it was actually. In, in many ways, it was kind of a halcyon era. Um, they were still you know, very highly regarded as an exploration team, and I was in their project generation team. So uh, we were the, um, were the chosen few, you know, so we designed you know, people who <laughs> paid extra money to draw boxes on maps and suggest that these are areas that we should go and have a look at for the next major gold or nickel, uh, you know, discovery. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And they attracted a very bright group of, you know, young people uh, in their early 20s during that time. And it's interesting to look around now because many of those have gone on to do, you know, amazing things in the industry. Everything from uh, my first, uh, in fact, my second boss, Megan Clark, uh, she's the head of the Australian Space Agency, you know, now. Okay. And, and there's, there would be two dozen of us at least 
uh, from that era and now running junior exploration companies or mining companies ourselves. So they they certainly attracted a certain type of uh, you know free thinking uh, people to that uh, organisation, and it was it was great fun. Um, so I worked for them for six years. Um, I think I was probably due to get sent to the mines, um, and uh, <laughs> from the, uh, we were well known as uh, Larrikins. Uh, I was the lead Larrikin person in the in the group, so I'm going to get sent to the mines. But I ended up then leaving and working for a uh, airborne geophysical survey company that was doing magnetic uh, pioneering uh, magnetic surveys. Uh, they were called Aerodata, and uh, that was the listed company in World Geoscience. Uh, which uh, many people in my vintage would uh, remember from the 90s and early 2000s. And I was working in their image interpretation team, so uh, actually you know, putting together maps from uh, all different data sources and uh, you know, producing uh, maps and, again, targeting, trying to work out the geological history um, of the regions and probably worked on you know, 30 or 40 projects for them. But then progressively became interested in marketing, worked in their marketing team, um, and then... As a combination of that, worked for another left to join another smaller consulting group, and then eventually started uh, my own consulting group with a, a business partner at the time. And um, we started that in 2001, which um, was you know, probably you know, a good time to start it, given that it was the start of the boom. And we built that up to a modest size, but I certainly learned a lot about you know, running a small business uh, during, that, uh, during that operation. And uh, there was certainly a whole lot of growing pains and trying to find staff during the boom, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and we did a lot of work, again, mainly in project generation, just identifying areas to go and look for uh, mineral deposits. A lot of small companies don't have the technical skills to be able to discriminate you know, good areas and bad areas, and and you hope that your knowledge and experience helps them. And you know, again, uh, as I said, we built quite a good business um, around that. But but all along, it was like, oh, you know, seeing all these little companies I was working for, I said, oh, I could probably run a junior company as badly as these people do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we ended up acquiring a few projects. You know, got the company going, and um, you know, and, and then we listed Impact then in two thousand and six. So in fact, we're coming up for our 13th anniversary yeah, within a couple of weeks. Um, and, and that's when the fun you know, really started. Um, but uh, we originally found an impact on looking for a major deposit. I mean, that's really why we formed these exploration companies. You know, we, we looked to try and find the big win. And that was what my background was in, looking at the deep structures that control these deposits and what the common features were and uncommon features and hopefully looking for the big you know the the, the big victory and um yeah so but once we listed the uh, yeah that's when that's when the work really started as it turned out <laughs> yeah um before we go on and speak about uh, impact minerals i just wanted to um get your view on the mining industry in australia at the moment um as we speak Obviously, I'm based in the UK. Um, I, I see the sort of global market still pretty quiet, um, but I do hear Australia is pretty busy at the moment. Is that uh, would you say would you say that is, and what's the reasons behind that? Yeah, look, uh, it's been because I've been around so long now. You sort of go through the cycles, and and whilst. Uh, you know, you never say it's different this time. Each of the cycles is always slightly different. And this one that we're in now is certainly no different. Uh, it is is different, but we're in a cycle. Yeah. So yeah. 
You'll recall, of course, from you know, around about 2011, 12 through to 2016, it was just you know terrible. It was just a downward slide, you know, every year. And uh, we then had a turnaround early 2016, driven by gold and lithium. Um, and there was you know a, a big surge of activity over sort of a six to twelve month period, and the rise in the gold price around about then sort of really led to money going into the um, the actual producers. So if you look back at the share prices over the last few years, the producers started taking off first, and then 12, 18 months ago the developers, and we have seen now recently money coming into the juniors. Okay, and it's taken it's taken like three years to, for that sort of flow yeah. through to kind of occur on the back of Generally, you know, rising commodity prices, give or take, you know, iron yeah. still doing well and, and gold. But and where's the money coming from? So, so all of that money was the big, you know, was the bigger money. You know, going yeah. into the going into the producers, they've cut their costs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we had yeah. two really good years, um, and in about the middle of 2018, um, the producers and developers still doing, you know, still doing okay. But then in the junior market, we've had a death by a thousand cuts. And that's, that's another scene uh, that I've seen a couple of times in the 13 years. And for 12 months from June 2018, June 2019, it was just no story was getting traction in the juniors. You know, share prices just getting cut slowly but surely, you know, every week, every week going down. You look at the ratio of share price rises to share price falls, it's been under one, you know, for, for, you know, for, for most of that uh, 18 months. Um, and I would have to say, the start of this year, the first six months of this year, were probably some of the worst you know that I've seen for our sector. So it was very much a two, you know, uh, almost a two-tier business, is what yeah. people are saying. Because on the production side, the gold miners and the iron miners making money hand over fist. You know, unbelievable amounts of money these guys are making because they've cut their costs. You know, going well. So when you talk about exploration taking off, you know, in Australia and exploration dollars being spent increasing. The vast majority of that has actually been around the mine sites. It's it's almost brownfields exploration, and you know we've seen tremendous success um, from you know, groups like Northern Star and Evolution, Regis, you know, the mid-tier gold miners, and of course you know the Ford Skews of the uh, of the world. So um, and then through that, of course, we lived through the lithium boom, um, and then we had the cobalt boom. So money was coming in to quite specific sectors, but then in the last, as I say, June eighteen. June 19, just uh, you know, terrible for all of us, and we've lost probably 100 companies over the last three years in the junior okay. sector. Hmm. But this is the other thing that happens with these cycles is that they do tend to turn on a dime almost. You know, they, when it's always darkest before the dawn, and then all of a sudden, you know, gold price runs up, and in the last three months, we've seen this sudden resurgence. Um, you know, money coming into the sector, um, and most of it is coming from. Uh, you know, for companies like ourselves, comes from sophisticated investors, but you know, plus some retail and you know things like that. But it's individuals still not getting a lot of institutions or family office money investing, you know, down at our level. Um, so it's just the brokers doing their job, you know, raising money and, uh, and raising capital. And so driven by the gold price, and then we had a couple of you know decent discoveries. Uh, we're in the middle of one at the moment. We hope it's Staveley Resources, significant copper gold discovery in Victoria. Um, Anglo-Australian had seen have something possibly significant here in Western Australia and a couple of other really good stories and then all of a sudden we see stories getting traction again. So prices are now going up on the back of announcements whereas literally for 12 months it was like a selling opportunity and your shares would be going down when you put out a good announcement because people just want uh, you know, just want out. Yeah. So look, we've turned the corner I think. Um, obviously all the trade issues around the world don't really help etc etc but, but 
you know, it, it, you know, right now it's about as good as it gets really in our mm. sector. People can raise money, prices are good, and you're getting traction in the market. So um, uh, it's, um, you know, we've got to make the most of it. Yeah. What challenges do you see then facing the Australian market as we move forward? Um, I suppose a few things that I've heard is around recruitment and staffing issues. Um, don't know if you've seen that, but is there any other challenges you think the uh, uh, mining market is uh, going to be facing? Yeah, sure. Look, staffing is definitely one of the uh, you know, definitely one of the things. Um, with the five-year downturn, uh, you know, just very few young people coming into this industry, you know, in Australia, and um, there is, you know, there's certainly, you know, significant potential for, um, you know, for, I think for overseas, you know, people to, to come in on the back of that. Um, balanced against that, of course, is is um, the uh, introduction of new technology, of course, but but really there's still no substitute you know, for a human that, uh, that you know, understands geology and can actually make, a, you know, make a, an intelligent uh, decision about it. So certainly staffing. Um, the... Um, uh, the usual things that are happening worldwide, it is just generally getting harder to operate anywhere in the world, and Australia is no difficult, no different because of you know, environmental regulations, uh, native title, um, and uh, all of which are you know, perfectly valid uh, things to be, you know, to be concerned about. Uh, you just have to plan ahead. It does make it difficult for companies, for the junior sector like ourselves, because it takes time. You know, and, and literally time is money for, for us, you know, because we've got no income, you know, only raising money by issuing shares. Um, and if it takes you three months to get a drill program, you know, uh, approved, that's three months of overheads that you have to, you know, shell out with, with no return. So, uh, you know, it makes it, uh, you know, it makes it difficult. And uh, so as a result, the, the bang for the buck generally uh, has been going down for, for companies like us, ourselves. Um, so those are certainly the challenges. Um, one of the things that is happening, I think we are seeing um, bigger companies now sort of doing more joint ventures for the first time in five or six years at least, you know, with juniors and sort of supporting them. Um, they realise there is a lot of you know, talent in, in companies like ourselves and, and despite the fact it takes longer, we tend to be more nimble than the bigger companies, even, even so. Uh, so um, the... Um, you know, we're certainly seeing you know, the Rios of the world you know, doing joint ventures in, in, hot, uh, in hot provinces and certainly the mid-tiers have certainly been you know, quite, pretty supportive of, of uh, juniors as well as doing a lot of their own, uh, a lot of their own work. So, yeah, look, so as long as commodity prices you know, stay reasonably uh, strong, then uh, you know, we're in for, uh, you know, in for a reasonably good period, I think. Yeah, so obviously there seems quite a few opportunities in the market uh, for obviously the mining industry too grows so which yeah. which is good and i'm i suppose i'm thinking if that's slowly going to pick up then hopefully it would have a knock-on effect across the uh, across the globe i would yeah. say um as momentum picks up so fingers crossed that's what's uh hopefully going to happen <laughs> um so yeah so now let's go on to um obviously impact minerals um, just wondered if you can give us a, a sort of brief overview, um, and then I've got some questions to uh, ask you afterwards. Oh, sure. So, as I said, coming up for our 13th anniversary, and we reinvented ourselves twice during that time, and uh, we've always stuck to the core commodities, uh, so gold, silver, uh, copper, nickel, um, and then maybe a bit of lead and zinc. So we have shied away from the, uh, you know, from the, the specialty metals or battery metals. Um, 
then and that was that was a deliberate uh, you know deliberate choice because as we've seen that they, they tend to be uh, rather a speculative period and uh, and unless you've got the biggest and best projects and all first to market you won't last through the cycle and we're sort of seeing that now so we started off initially we had large exploration tracks for gold and nickel in australia and we had strong contacts into africa and uh, we ended up being uh, very large ground holders for uranium and also nickel in Botswana. Uh, had uh, yeah, vast ground holdings in there. And um, we, yeah, so we, we operated just doing grassroots exploration there for a few years. But of course, 2006 was only <laughs> 12 months before the start of the GFC. Yeah. So, so we lived through that. We managed to survive, kept spending some money, um, came out of the other side of that, uh, which was great. And then, of course, 2010. Um, we had the Fukushima disaster, um, and I certainly learned a lesson about uh, business dealings through that because uh, on, the, on a particular Friday, we had a handshake deal for our grand in Botswana. It was a great deal for us, $5 million in shares and $5 million in the grand to earn 50%. And if somebody had said to me, well, look, there's going to be an earthquake off uh, Japan <laughs> Sunday, and it's going to flood a you know a nuclear you know a nuclear reactor and cause a you know and cause a near disaster. Um, what are the chances of that? And of course, that's exactly the weekend that that happened. So Friday had the handshake deal, and by Monday evening, you know, it was uh, it was all over, and all over for the uranium industry. So yeah. um, as it turned out, the uranium exploration industry. So. Um, Around about 2011-12, we realised that um, things were changing. All of our projects were grassroots. We purchased a failed float um, from a geologist that I knew that had three advanced exploration projects, one with a small resource. They had very high grades for nickel, gold, copper, lead and zinc in them in various parts of the project. And uh, we did the deal, bought them for a million dollars, uh, 600,000 in shares and I think 300,000 in cash. And, and that kept us alive during the, the five-year downturn. Um, we were able to raise money against the various projects because of the grade. Um, we attracted um, Andrew Forrest, um, who's a, a chairman of the Forestry Metals. His family office invested us, uh, invested in us during that time on the back of these projects, and so that was a, a very good thing for us to do. So those projects have delivered some excellent results, but we've yet to be able to demonstrate scale to them, and they've kind of reached that risk reward. Yeah. Point. It's like if we pour more money into it, how much more are we going to add? Unless we get really lucky, and uh, and so we sort of um, been, we were looking for another project, and then we ended up uh, being involved at the tail end of the Pilbara conglomerate gold rush, which I don't, I don't know if you're aware of that from a couple of years ago. Here. Yeah. 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 We can go into that in a minute. And on the back of that, we've ended up with a project in Queensland, uh, Blackridge, which is similar but in rocks of a different age. And they um, and we're looking to try and get that into trial mining um, by the end of this year, or certainly by uh, certainly by next year, uh, which we hope then we'll reinvent ourselves as a either a small producer or as a royalty, uh, you know, uh, or receiving a royalty from that, uh, you know, from that mining uh, episode. Yeah. That, that's been very much the focus for the last yeah. uh, the last twelve months. Yeah, wonder if you can obviously give us uh, an update on some of your projects and um, Blackridge. You've got a Blackridge Gold project, a Commonwealth project, and a Broken Hill. That's project. right. Yeah, just wanted to give the, the audience an update on on those projects. Yeah, so Blackridge is the main focus for us right now. Um, yeah. It is a conglomerate-hosted gold project, so very much like the projects that were in the Pilbara of Western Australia from the Gold Rush a couple of years ago, led by Novo Resources. And I mentioned earlier about my PhD. So as it turns out, my PhD is in is in gold and conglomerates. Okay. 
portion of, the, of what I did in the northern part of the borders around Basin. And so when all the hype was sort of starting around the Pilbara Gold Rush, Funnily enough, I recognised something about the shape of the nuggets that was that were being put around that were very different to your normal transported water-worn nuggets, which just looked dead ringers for some of the nuggets that had been exhumed from the waters around the sediments. And so I put it all together. Obviously, it looks like it might be real. Um, now, obviously, the geology is different, but the timing of the rocks is about the same. And so this, there is a vast new gold province that's been discovered, but the problems with conglomerate host of gold, it's very difficult because of the nugget effect to know how much gold is in there until you take a massive sample. Okay. And that's really, that's really what's brought Novo sort of down to earth, is that they couldn't take a big enough sample on their ground to demonstrate what the likely grade was going to be. And and that was also limited by the fact they're on an expiration license. You are sta- limited by statute as to how big a sample you can take. So they just couldn't take a physically big enough sample. So um, we got some ground there. I worked out that it was probably pretty average ground. We sold it to a Canadian company that was offering, you know, good money for, you know, for projects up there. And we were contacted by a person in Queensland who had a similar project, conglomerate hosted gold, but in much younger rocks. We went for a visit and thought, oh, this is, yeah, this is going to, yeah, this has got real potential. Uh, same sort of thing. But the difference there is that there was one, uh, four mining lease applications. And we also purchased a granted mining lease. So immediately we can jump into trial mining and bulk sampling. And so we spent the last 12 months doing some larger bulk samples, um, taking a look at the geology. And um, it looks like, you know, it's worth giving a go for trial mining. Yeah. And we've got a contractor who's going to come to site, um, who's going to mine you know, up to a million cubes of material, and uh, we'll take a royalty. And if that works, then we'll still own 95% of the project and it looks like we'll have a mining operation. So we've been able to de-risk ourselves significantly. So, you know, that was a that was a good jump for us, you know, to be able to do that. We got in relatively cheaply into the whole deal um, and the results have been, you know, they've been encouraging. And and the secret is, is that, is that as we do more bulk sampling, we're hoping to find more nuggets yep. and, um, and more, you know, and build up the, uh, build up the grade overall. So, so that's really where we're focused, and, and hopefully we'll receive at least a modest cash flow from that, um, you know, sometime in uh, you know, in the new year, and uh, and uh, you know, and build from there. So that's um, that's where the focus has been. Yeah. The yeah, go on. No, no, I was going to ca- no carry on. Back yeah, no, right. so The yeah. second project then um, is Commonwealth, and that's in the Lachlan Fold Belt of New South Wales. That's a, a world-famous um, copper gold belt, Porphyry copper gold, and the, the standout deposit there is Cadia Ridgeway, yeah. uh, owned by Newcrest. Uh, it's a world-class uh, underground bulk, uh, bulk mining uh, opportunity there. And then also Cowl, which is owned by Evolution, which is predominantly gold, yeah. uh, and, and uh, yeah, many other um, similar to smaller deposits. So we have a, a particular volcanogenic massive sulphide deposit there. It's uh, gold, silver rich with lead and zinc. And um, we've done a lot of work over that over the last uh, five or six years and uh, demonstrated that it could be uh, something very unusual, uh, potentially similar to the Escape Creek deposit in Canada, which many of the Canadian listeners would be uh, well aware of. Very high grade gold, silver, massive sulfide deposit. We're very similar minerals, similar setting. So Escape Creek is, is well known for its very high grade uh, gold and silver uh, in, the, in the massive sulfide. They often talk about the lead and zinc. Um, and Skeena Resources at the moment are getting some spectacular results. Basically, they've gone in there, Barrack mined it. It was the world's largest silver mine and fourth largest you know, gold mine, I think, by production uh, during its time. Very exceptional grades. 
And, and the similarities that we have are, are really quite uncanny. So uh, we've been working on that. But we think that's part of a much larger system that's being driven or underlain by a porphyry copper gold system somewhere on our ground. Yeah. And just in the last uh, month, there's been a, a significant copper gold discovery just north of our ground by a company called Alkane Resources. And that's also been, along with Stave in Anglo-Australian I mentioned earlier, has injected some life into the market because they produce the best uh, copper gold intercept that's been seen probably since Katie Ridgeway days. Um, certainly very encouraging. Um, probably need a bit more grade than the depth it's at, but it's like, it looks like they could be onto something significant. So we've got a lot of ground around the long trend from there. And so now Blackridge is sort of heading towards trial mining. We're now circling back and we'll get that project uh, lifted up again and uh, moving forward with some groundwork. And then, and then finally Broken Hill, um, we've got some of the highest grades, if not the highest grades, certainly for palladium um, and platinum in Australia um, from a couple of drill programs we've done there a couple of years ago. Palladium, of course, is rocketing along you know, at the moment. Um, we do have an issue with scale there about how big um, the uh, the deposit could be. As, uh, we need a lot more drilling, and uh, there are some little um, quirks about the about the geology which we come into terms with. Um, but we've been doing some metallurgical research as well on this uh, material to see if we can actually potentially mine a much smaller volume um, if we can get uh, if we can get good recoveries. So look, we're we're very active um, considering there's only two of us in the office uh, yeah. <laughs> most days. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, certainly uh, on the ball and, and just as keen to find something as we were 13 years ago when yeah. we listed. So. Yeah. I mean, you seem obviously pretty busy at the moment. Um, what challenges do you, do you see yourselves facing at all coming up over the, the next maybe six or 12 months? Is there any, any standout challenges that you think you may have to come up against? Yeah. Uh, Apart from sort of normal operational issue, which I said, you know, sort of getting, um, you know, getting harder as a, uh, you know, wherever you are in the world in terms of working. Obviously, further capital raisings are always a, you know, always an issue. Uh, but look, we've had very supportive shareholders, so yep. um, you know, hopefully that'll uh, that'll continue. I think one of the one of the big challenges actually that's coming, in, in a strange way, is actually technology. You know, we're finally seeing technology really starting to have an impact down at our level of the business. Uh, the majors have been introducing it obviously significantly over the last sort of five years, driverless trucks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say what I've seen in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months is a real increase in the amount of data we can generate and the new technologies being put towards things like uh, drilling, okay, for example. So there's a new, and one of the big standouts, which I talk about quite often, is a new 3D you know, x-ray scanning of, of diamond drill core. When you see this, it's just mind-blowing. And uh, we can see, you know, inside the core, and they're doing machine learning now on the physical, you know, properties um, of the of the materials there to sort of make an estimate of, uh, of what the mineral is, uh, you know, including seeing gold, you know, down to sort of 100 microns. And, you know, the amount of data that this is generating is, is you know, it's truly extraordinary. So, so the challenge is actually... There is so much now that we can apply to a, a rock, you know, especially in a small group. So, well, how do we maximise, you know, the amount of information? It's really starting to to, um, to change, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite rapidly. And um, uh, you know, I think um, I think we're gonna we're gonna be faced with 
um, some in- interesting decisions, uh, you know, about how, <laughs> about how much data to collect on each yeah. of you know each of your rocks. Uh, yeah. it sounds a, sounds a bit of a, an oxymoron in a way, but um, it, it's um, it's coming thick and fast. It's really quite amazing. Yeah, with obviously technology playing a, a a bigger and slowly bigger part in the industry. Do you think, say, junior, junior, maybe mid-tier miners, maybe not necessarily adapting to the technology and implementing that that technology as quickly as they should? And do you think sort of more junior miners, even though they might not necessarily have the resources and money behind them to to introduce technologies, do you think they should sort of a little bit overextend themselves and get the technologies in early? before they get to a certain stage where it might be harder to bring the technology into 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 the business or into an operation further down the line and try and implement it a lot earlier. I know it's easier said than done, but yeah. do you think you should maybe a little bit overextend yourself to get the technologies in now rather than wait until later? I think certainly in the China's case, you know, you have to you have to do that. Um, I mean, they say technology is cheaper, but I, I was like, I was like to say, well, you know, does, does Rio employ two computer scientists to or to operate a truck that one driver used to operate? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and it is costly. You know, the technology is costly. You know, whilst you can get it through consultants, you know, it's on you know time, and extra money, um, and that data is valuable. Don't get me wrong; it's super valuable, but. Um, you know, we're generating it at a rate that, that we can almost, uh, you know, not uh, not cope uh, cope with it at times. But um, but it's always good to invest in, in technology early, uh, without a doubt. With juniors, again, it's a hard thing when our budgets are so tight. Yeah. Uh, you know, to sort of say, right, uh, you know, for example, the core X-ray on the core I was talking about. That's you know, it's probably a hundred dollars a meter. You know, for diamond, well, it costs you a hundred, hundred and fifty to drill it, and then there's another fifty to a hundred dollars of assays and you know. Time, person's time, etc., and then there's another hundred dollars. Hmm. You know, it's, it's three hundred and fifty dollars. But it, does it give you a better answer? Well, the jury's probably out a little bit on that. The answer is almost certainly it would be. Um, but then all of a sudden you're drilling, you know, you're drilling less meters. Um, there's a, a trade-off, you know, between uh, between how much money you spend on it and uh, and what you get out of the other end. So. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a luddite because I'm not at all. I think it's fantastic stuff, but um, it, it's a it's a, a budgetary challenge, you know, as much as anything else in a junior company. Yeah. So, just want to obviously slowly wrap this up now. Wondered if you can give us a an overview or an outlook of uh, Impact Minerals over the next, I don't know, maybe five to ten years. What what are your what are your bigger plans for the for the company? Yeah. Well, I'm hopefully within five or ten years um, that I'm going to be in my yacht in the Mediterranean somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the shares have gone to the moon, as they say. Um, so, so, look, we're trying to form a base of, uh, of cash flow um, from the trial mining operation. It may not work. Who, you know, that's the whole purpose of it. Um, but if that comes about, you know, we're going to be able to have that money, the extra money there to sort of, you know, advance our other projects. Because of my background in project generation, I've always believed in all of the projects that we've, that we've picked up. You know, I believe yep. that they're in the right parts of the crust, they've got the right indicators, you know, we've got good ground and we've got some small resources on them. So it's going to take an exceptional opportunity for us to sort of move away from that, even if the market gets a bit bored. Yep. Um, but persistence is the key to success in exploration. We've seen that time and time again, including Stavely, for example, with their recent discovery. 
um, and the alkane discovery just north of our ground. In both those cases, those prospects have been known about for nearly 50 years, mm. 50 years for the sort of the first significant breakthrough intercept you know, has, has come through. Lots of drilling, lots of this, that and the other, but it's taken that amount of time, you know, so <laughs> don't want to imply any shareholders with us I'm going to be here in 50 years' time. But look, that, that's, that's one of the things that technology will do for us. It will allow us to get to an answer, you know, quicker. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we still don't drill a hole much faster than we did 50 years ago. Yeah, It takes about the same amount of time. That's the one thing. That hasn't. Uh, it's the speed at which you drill hasn't really uh, hasn't really changed so much. So that's always a rate limiting uh, rate limiting step. But we can certainly extract a whole lot more data out of it um, yeah. than we ever, ever used to. Capture. And, and as a company, are you looking to take take the project to a certain stage and then maybe then sell it on, or would you potentially look to move into sort of construction and operation? Have you thought about that, or is it? Yeah. You just you just go along the route, you know. You yeah. go along the route until somebody taps you on the shoulder. You know, if you've got if you've got a, a fantastic deposit that somebody wants, they'll tap you on the shoulder and, and you, you see if you can do a deal. Um, you know, and um, you know, as opposed to the alternative, you know, hanging on to it, you know, yourself. But uh, if it's a good quality asset, you obviously fight for it and um, you know, try and get the best deal possible. Yeah. You know? Okay. But I know after thirteen years, there's a lot of shareholders would like a payday, so we're still working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Really, um, really appreciate your time, uh, Mike, for taking the time to do this podcast. Um, if our audience wants to um, sort of contact you or reach out to you and maybe have some questions they want to ask you, how can they go about doing that? No, sure. Look, just send an email to uh, info at impactminerals.com.au and um, yeah, that'll get passed on to me. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably get uh, lots of students uh, contacting me. <laughs> yeah, you certainly <laughs> certainly will. And um, any social media platforms that you're that you're on? Uh, we're actually just sort of moving into that uh, space at the moment, okay. probably with a new Twitter account. I'm, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. In through, and um, we're not we're not great users of social media just yet. So um, yeah, but uh, we're we're certainly on there. Yeah, and you look. I mean, apart from those two social media sites, are you looking to do any any more? I mean, are you looking to go onto YouTube or anything like that? Instagram. Look, I think uh, social media in, for a uni company does have its place, and uh, I think once we're on the track to something that looks like it's got legs and you've got a longer term yeah. story to tell, you know, I think that's a good time to uh, to get in and uh, you know to get in in and tell the story. So yeah. hopefully that'll be, that'll be coming. That's where the youngsters can come in it and is. do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, really, like I said, really appreciate your time, um, taking time to do this podcast. And again, if you've got any questions, um, you can always forward them to myself um, and I can pass them on to Mike. And my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Well, thank you again. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and gave you a good insight to um, what Impact uh, Minerals are doing um, here in Australia. Um, they certainly got a, certainly got their hands full with a couple of projects that they're involved in. So, um, yeah, really appreciate um, you listening to the podcast. Uh, again, appreciate all the feedback that I, that you, the audience actually gives me. Um, and if you've got any other questions you want to ask me or any um, listeners, or sorry, any, any um, topics that you want covered on the podcast, then uh, please, yeah, reach out to me. Um, 
when this does go out, I have got a um, a new website, which is uh, digdeeptheminingpodcast.com. So uh, again, you can go onto that and reach reach me and ask me questions uh, through that platform. So um, yeah, really appreciate your time, Mike. Um, and thank you again, the audience for listening. So until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.